Welcome to the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Hi there, it's Alan Mitchell with Connor Halley today on our show. Confused about the Edmonton Oilers' defensive structure and deployment? So are they. My advice from Bull Durham, don't think, just throw. Sports1440.ca, iHeartRadio, Radio Player Canada. You can text or call us 1-833-401-1440 on Twitter at Low Tide and at Connor Halley. And the lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Wolf GMCBuick.com. We love them. Our guest today, Jen Mueller from Road Sports uh, Northwest. Uh, we'll talk Seahawks and bag milk from Motors Nation will help us figure out the orders. With that, uh, we, we, well, they, we worked together 5,000 years ago, and it's great to be working again uh, with Connor Halley. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. The team is back together, Al. Man, I tell you, I remember, I enjoyed working with you. I, I, I thought you were a very clever fella, and um, not your attention span was, you know, basically a gnat, but that's okay. You're more mature now. What? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've tried to mature a little bit. There was a lot going on. You know what? You got to be more attentive in this studio as well, because you and I are four feet away from each other. We are. In the previous regime down the dial, we were separate and I could get distracted easily, but that won't happen here. No, I, I always tease you, but you've been a great producer since the day you started and you still are. That's how you can always tell a great producer, because people who don't know, the actual key to a show is the producer. The talking head behind the microphone is is uh, it's like eye candy, except it's radio candy. The smart people are the producers. Always keep that in mind. Ear candy. Mm, better. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> All right. The Edmonton Oilers, last night they showed what happens when you have too many systems. Years and years ago, I'm not going to tell you the radio station. It was CKGY and Red Deer. And I'm not going to tell you the owner. It was Rod Steven. And the program director was Gerald Lang. And there was a, th- a deal where you, you Gerald had to gr- found agreement with the owner, Rod, that you could, as the on-air host, you could talk over the records as long as you didn't, you had to hit the post, that you couldn't talk over the vocal, but you could to do the weather or sports or whatever right over the top of it. That was the deal. It was a big meeting. We had it on a Thursday night. I didn't work till the Saturday. Saturday morning, I'm working. So I get a call Saturday morning, an hour into my shift, and I'm talking over the records, and the owner says, uh, what are you doing? We have a policy. You don't talk. I know you're new. I wasn't new. I'd been there a year. And he said, uh, don't do that. So then I stopped doing it. Gerald called me from the uh, uh, grocery store. I said, what are you doing? We just had a meeting Thursday. I told him, he said, do it my way. Rod called me back when I did it again, and he threatened me. And then I called, Gerald called again, and I said, I'm not doing a damn thing till you two nut bars get together. That's what happens when you have so much communication with the people who are on the front lines. And that's what's happening with the Oilers. The Edmonton Oilers defense are, uh, I mean, they're overcoached now. This is like Phil Spector producing Let It Be. That would have been a better way to go. And the bottom line for this team is they've just got to, they've got to make it very elementary. I think they should go back to man to man today and stop fiddling around with stuff until next year or you're done. You, you can't have this many mistakes. I think it was Jason Greger who sent out that knee cash goal where he's, he's right in the middle of like four guys and nobody's taking him. Indecisiveness is death. It just is. And that's what's happening to the Oilers right now. There's also some curious things going on. Uh, after the game, Chris Knobloch said, and I want to quote this, I see a lot of guys working hard, they do care, are so worried about making mistakes, and ultimately it's paralyzing us and holding us back. We're not playing with our instincts. Okay. Then why bench Philip Broberg? Because you could you could absolutely blame Cody Cece as much as Broberg on that play, and Cece's the veteran. 
So Broberg makes a mistake. CC doesn't cover for him, and he's benched. I don't get it. I think there's a lot of misinformation going on. I think this is a new coach. I like him. I think he's going to be a fine coach, but he's under the gun right away. There was no bounce. And this team, everybody's blaming the goaltending. Man, you got to cover better. And that's everybody. But the defense first has to cover better. What are you, what are you trying to do? Why are so many players thinking it's the other guy? Cause they don't, they're confused. They've got too many things running around their brain. Who was your, who, did you ever have a teacher who intimidated you and you, you just, you couldn't think straight and so you wouldn't get the answer when they asked you? Yeah, pretty much every teacher. <laughs> <laughs> that might not have been the reason for it, but yeah, yeah, a okay. lot of teachers would, when they put you on the spot, it can be tough. Did you study? Were you a good studier? No. So did you Come get... Come on, Al. We work in radio. What? I don't think we're... We're not going to be confused for scholars too often. I was the guy who would do uh, my homework Monday night while watching Monday Night Football. Wow. Half paying attention. Wow. Did but I would m- do it. I would do it. Did your mom ever give you hell for, for not... You know, my every report card I ever got was, Low Tide is a smart student, <laughs> but he doesn't apply himself. Teachers called you Low Tide they at did, a young age. Did. Or LT. LT. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I... I I would say I wasn't the most focused all the time. If I enjoyed it, I was focused. If I didn't enjoy it, uh, my mind would wander, like when I was a, a young producer for you back in the day, or <laughs> Nation Radio. You found the the Japanese television game shows with logs, wood, and and uh, water. People would fall in the water. I remember you loving that. My true passion, MXC. <laughs> uh, all right. Don't bench Broberg. I don't understand that. Send him out, trade him, do whatever. Let the, let him, let, let him, let him live. Let him be. Uh, make the defensive system as simple as possible. They could do that today. Uh, we're going to see a trade. So I'm not telling you this like as a prediction. I'm telling you this as a fact that will occur soon. There's, there's nothing left to do. You're, you're going to see a disastrous trade, probably involving the first round pick. And likely after that, they'll get worse. And then the first round pick will end up being like the first overall. They have to protect it. They have to protect it. Lottery protect the deal. They have to. They have no choice because this team is not absolutely certain to pull out of its spiral. And it's a downward spiral. Assets out, first round picks, Broberg, Lavoie, Borgo, DeHarnay, Fogel, Kulak, Jack Campbell. Assets they're going to keep. Everybody with a no-movement clause. Do you trade Evan Bouchard and Ryan McLeod? I don't think you should, but who knows? You're, this is call, it's that drastic times call for drastic action. And the Edmonton Oilers are there. Expect anything. What did Kevin Lowe always say? Expect the unexpected. You're not going to see Leon Dreisaitl traded right now. And you're not going to see Connor McDavid traded at all. But I will tell you that if this gets to the summertime and it's July 1 or before July 1 and Leon Dreisaitl isn't looking like he's going to sign, you could see a trade. And uh, I was talking to my friend Paul Almeida last night and he mentioned Boston as an interesting choice. Boston would have, they would have the torque to do, do a deal. They would, have the, they would have the ability to get that done. They've got a goalie, they've got some young defensemen, they could even throw in a center. The Boston Bruins could get that deal done. I know you don't like it. I know you're definitely going to text me at one 1440 and tell me to blow it out of something. I'm just telling you. This is... Nobody's going to hang around for this. Do you remember the 0-9-10 team, the, the Pat Quinn team? Half of those guys got bought out, and the other half never played again. Robert Nilsson might still be playing in Sweden, but he never played in the NHL. Ethan Morrow, 
on and on it went. Man, that team, that was the, that team offloaded NHL careers like hell wouldn't have it. And this team might be the same. NFL Thursday, or I'm sorry, Thursday afternoon, I've got night, but Thursday Thanksgiving football. Uh, what is wrong with the Lions, Connor Halley? What the hell's going on? I thought they were on their way to the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, their defense isn't that good, and whenever they are playing very well, ball security is the main focus, right? Jared Goff, down the stretch last year, when he was so good, he wasn't throwing interceptions. Today, he's lost two fumbles already, and really put his defense in bad situations. So, I think that's the problem so far. That being said, though, well, it it is only a two-possession game. Uh, the Packers, outside of that first drive, haven't moved the ball overly efficiently, so I, I think there is still plenty of football left to be played, but Jared Goff cannot turn the football over anymore because he's he's just putting the whole team in a bad position. You sound exactly like a, a Chargers fan. Well, it's we're all only two scores behind. Well, yeah, I'm the same way with the Oilers. Down by three <laughs> goals, you're only three shots back. You just got to get those shots. You know, there was a time in the third period last night. I thought, man, stop tweeting anything because they're going to come <laughs> back and make you look like a fool, like a fool. Yeah. Tweeting anything right now, Oilers related, is dangerous because it could be the most, you know, right down the middle thought, and you'll get attacked about it from both sides. Yeah, it's people are fired up. No, it's true. And and what I, I I was going to focus on two or three different individuals to criticize them today, but here's what I know: when I go online and I see one tweet hammer the goaltender, the other one defenseman, and then somebody else talk about Ryan McLeod being useless, everybody's mad at everybody. This is Tower of Babel for the fan base. That's okay. It's been a tough year, and I get it. It really has been. Yeah. Uh, heightened expectations, right? That'll do that to a fan base. Well, they, when, when you're expecting the worst, it's not so bad. I remember, like, during the Decade of Darkness, Al, things were bad. Oilers fans laughed about it. We made jokes and memes, and now it's it's not fun anymore. You know, I I still blame all that talk in the summertime, and a lot of it came from the Olagosphere, from the smart guys, about what the Oilers were doing wrong, and they needed to change the structure. And I said all summer, I said, it doesn't matter if it's man-to-man. It doesn't matter if it's zone. It matters if you execute. Now this is a defense that has 17 th- different things running through their minds, and nobody's really playing defense. How long did it take Matthias Ekholm to come from be an effective defenseman when he arrived and to this? Whatever the Oilers are doing with defensemen, they have to stop doing it. And it's not getting better. So simplify it. Nuke Lelouch has the key for the Edmonton Oilers. Don't think, just throw. And I know it's baseball instead of hockey, but it's the same thing. Don't think, just cover. There's a guy in the slot. I've got three other partners, but one of them has to do it. Maybe it's me. The orders will be fine, but not this year. This is, we're going to see a big trade and the odds of it actually working. Because here's the thing. Frank Saravalli mentioned James Reimer. I think Daniel Vladar. All of those guys are, Montembeau looks like he might be the thing, the deal for, for Edmonton. But all of those, all of those solutions could work. But what are the odds the player comes in, plays a few games, and then just becomes shell-shocked like the other goaltenders? As mad as you want to get at Stuart Skinner, and he's not playing well. He's not playing well because he's trying to do too much. And that's the problem with this team. Did they make a mistake firing Jay Woodcroft? I do believe they did. But having said that, I don't, I'm not going to bury the coach. I think the coach will be fine. Jay Woodcroft is going to get a job somewhere and make the orders pay and pay and pay and pay. And... I don't know where it is, maybe Ottawa. 
but I think he's a really good coach. He did get away from what worked for him, though. When he was at his absolute peak, he increased the talent pool by playing young players like Stuart Skinner, uh, like uh, Philip Broberg, uh, Vincent DeHarnay. He increased the talent pool, and he stopped doing that this year. He just wouldn't play young players, and that's what's happened. They, they're, you keep running out guys who aren't good enough, and the, the Oilers' third line is their fourth line. They've got issues, or as the CBC calls it, issues. It's a problem, and I suspect it'll be dealt with next year. I know that Ken Holland had cap problems. I know they didn't want to trade Warren Fogle. I know they didn't want to trade Brett Kulak, but they were, they were burning daylight on that cap all summer, and they didn't do anything about it, and they really squeezed their roster because Connor Brown was the only addition. And they had to sacrifice, as Elton John, the great philosopher, said, sacrifice next year's cap to do it. LT, it's time to bring in the next GM. He needs to get her hands on the clay, into the clay. What is done now impacts the coming season. Yeah, I don't think Ken Holland is making these decisions alone. I don't know what his input is, but I think these are the 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 firing of Jay Woodcroft signaled the end of life as Ken Holland knew it in this town. And that's not fun, I'm sure, but that's the way it is. I go back to Daryl Cates a year ago when the Otis had all kinds of injuries. They needed forwards. Ken Holland didn't pull the trigger. That's when I think this worm turned. Sorry for using worm. I don't mean it as an affront to anybody, including worms. I'm just saying that worked. Any thoughts on Elk's ownership search? Well, I, I mean, I think if I'm Victor Kui and I want to troll everybody, I just, I, I buy the team. Um, but I'll say this, that I think this is, this is something that, that even 10 years ago would have rocked the Casbah, but now I think people see the need for it. You need to have strong ownership. You need to have Edmonton as a flagship franchise in the West, and they are not there. They've got themselves in all kinds of trouble. And Ed Hervey, the last good GM? I don't know if that's the answer or there's another one, but they've been they've been bailing out water for a long time, and their their success has come intermittently. And the Elks were always the Eskimos were always a team that were consistently contenders, a la what Calgary is now, or was before this past season. So my thoughts on this are that you've got to get the right guy. But the announcement they made today, they're, you know, they're evaluating the process. They're looking for an owner. That's what they're doing. And I think if you're an Elks fan, you should be happy about that. Yeah, I think ultimately this is a good thing for the Elks, Al. Wallisher today said, going forward, we're going to need a couple or a capital investment on the club because it's going to take a couple of years to get out of these losses that we've been accumulating on an annual basis. Uh, he is the CEO and president, of course, with the Elks, and he'll be joining Gregor today at 320. So uh, you'll hear it right from the horse's mouth. Well, he knows. I mean, he knows. Like the, the, he could write a history of the, of the club, certainly this century. So there's a lot there. I, I just think it's there's nowhere else to go. The the. There's a lot of reasons why we are here. There just are. I've got buddies of mine who are good people, and I like them, and they're friends of mine, who won't go because of the name change. I've got people who are mad as hell because of all the things that happened during the pandemic. People are very angry at the Elks for a lot of reasons. However, the 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 keys to the highway are probably available in the Riverhawks model. 
of how to get people out. And the Elks are probably going to have to, if a new owner comes in, they're going to have to change the way they do business. They're going to have to change the price. They're going to have to change the process. You know, it's a very, there's a thing that happens in businesses where when I started in 1970s working, you'd ask a question and they'd say, well, that's, we do always do that way. You know, why do we only make one cup of coffee at eight in the morning? And if you get here at 1130, it's burned black and you don't want it. Well, we've always done it that way. And that's the worst reason to do anything. But a lot of what the Elks do is because they've always done it that way. They need a fresh start. They need somebody, and they don't need to, you know, hire a king. They need to hire a general manager. Norm Kimball was not a terribly interesting guy. He was a terrible quote. But you know what he had? He had a scout in America, and he had a scout in Canada. And they beat the living daylights out of all the other CFL teams to procure talent. And then they got themselves a hell of a coach. In my lifetime, Ray Yock, Hugh Campbell, on it goes. Yeah. What's the score in the Lions game? 40-3 to three now? What the hell's going on with the Lions? 23-6 at halftime. All right. Well, then they got a third. You know, they got a... Yeah, I mean, they, they got to get going. They certainly have to get going. Any Black Friday trade deals, owners can take advantage of. Well, that's the key. I, I expect a deal anytime. There's no reason to come back from the East Coast without a... You need to change... If you're Dale Cates, you're, you're screaming at your people to say, look, every day we're getting hammered in the media. Every day, all I see, if he looks at Twitter, is negative. We need to change the story. How do you change the story? Well, you make a trade. Or you fire the coach. But that was last week. We're on to the next. On the way, NHL rumors. Looking forward to my conversation today at 1240 with Jen Mueller from Root Sports Northwest about the Seahawks. They've had a strange and interesting year. And I'm, I'm going to ask her, and then later in the show, we're going to talk to Hallie about this. How much, I know, he's, I know Geno Smith is going to start, but how much of an upgrade is he on Drew Locke? And is that something we should be talking about more? Like, what's the difference? And Bagnick will join us in our number two, and we'll go preview this Oilers final game tomorrow, which is early. Uh, against the Washington Capitals. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Alan Mitchell and uh, Connor Halley with his rock and roll hair. We're driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. I gotta get a haircut. I, I just, I, I don't, nobody tells me to do anything anymore, so it just kind of gets long. Just let it grow out. No. Old men should not wear long hair. It's, it's not a thing. What about Willie Nelson? Okay, if I was as rich as Willie Nelson <laughs> and could sing love songs, I would, you know. And besides, Willie's long and I, he's got a, he can do a ponytail, which I think is very cool. The problem is there is that in-between phase. You know, once it gets like to a certain length, you can make it look cool, but there is the in-between phase where it's just inopportune and not as great. So, yeah, maybe go get a haircut. There's a few places in the mall you could swing by. I got a person. I've had... Uh, Marcel for God, twenty five years maybe. I don't know. She knows she's got my my uh, haircut records, so she knows what I'm what she's doing. No, it's all good. Not to worry. Time now for hockey rumors. Tanner Hall out for the season due to a knee injury. Well, Oilers fans, you were hoping for a trade deadline. No, not happening. Andreas Athanasiu has also been placed on injured reserve. They could make a big move. I'm like I'm not saying the Oilers are going to be making a move. 
uh, at all with, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying when you see moves like this that occur and a giant gollop, I don't know what that word is, but I just, I'm not going to say it again. Dollop, we'll go with that one, of cap goes onto the LTIR. And they're sitting at 12.7 million right now. They could do some deals. And I know you're looking, you're racing to Puckpedia to find out who their goalies are. That's not really the point. They've got Morazic and uh, Soderblom. Arvid. Arvid's such a great word. Art of Soderblom. But that's not the... You could offload Jack Campbell to them for three first-round picks, and then you could make your move for the goalie. You don't have to get it from Chicago. It could be a three-way deal. Maybe that's what happens. There are all kinds of talks, chatters... Lots of things going on about the orders and the goaltending situation. Kevin Carey has had um, Frank Saravalli on this morning, and they were talking about uh, James Reimer, who's an interesting choice. Reimer is a guy that you could bring in, and he doesn't cost a lot. I don't know that he's a huge upgrade, but he's a veteran, and he could probably manage the stress of playing in front of this group of defensemen until they figure it out, which I, I know they will. They're all capable of playing better. But there's there's too much in their mind right now. You've got to free your mind. What's the quickest way, way if you want to clear your mind out, Connor? What do you do? You do like some kind of meditation, or do you tell somebody to slap you on the head, or what do you do? I, me personally, yes, I don't, I don't. So it's all cluttered. In I that. just let it ruin my life. Yeah, it takes over all my thoughts, and I, I just overthink it. Wow. Imitation Tom says drugs. I mean, some people go that route, maybe. Well, I, that, the unfortunate thing about that is that it is not long-term productive. Short-term, it no. can be great. Yeah. You know. You have to be insane to trade this first year, this year's first rounder. Could be a draft lottery pick. Well, you can protect it, right? Like you can protect it. Don't worry, you can protect it. Here's your choice, guys and ladies. Because if this goes as badly as it looks like it's going to go, then Leon Dreisaitl and his agent, I think it's still Mike Liu. Remember when Liu uh, won a negotiation with the Oilers back in the day? Remember that? Where they were going to count one year as being, they're going to drag it. And he said, no, we're not considering that. And then they got the deal they wanted. So they're going to go to Liu and Dreisaitl in late June next year, and they're going to say, "Hey, come on back, man. We have got we. It's going to be great." And if I'm Leon Drysaddle and I'm Mike Leute, if that is his agent, I go. You know, we're just going to see how this goes. And who can blame them? I I, I don't think you can. I, I just don't. And then if that happens, then I think you have to trade him. And I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to, you know, get clicks. I'm just saying that's this. You have to deal in reality. You just do. You, you there's there's a certain reality in life when you're tied to someone as long as Leon will have been eleven years, and he's got he's, a, he's got an option to sign or to wait, and he may want to go elsewhere. I've always said Manhattan, but maybe it's somewhere else. And for the Edmonton Oilers, you can't let him... Because I don't think you can trade Connor McDavid. I don't think it's possible to trade Connor McDavid. 
there's there's just no place on the planet to make a trade like that. And it's not like Peter Pocklington and Glenn Sather and Gretzky, because Gretzky was a sale, not a trade. Daryl Cates spends to the cap. Daryl Cates absolutely spends money on this team. That isn't what this is about. This would be about protecting your assets. And I know what word is included in assets, and you can go there if you want. Don't want a Johnny Hockey situation and get nothing for him. We need to write this season off and get a top 10 pick. The problem with that is you are, you, this team can't be here. They don't belong here. It, they just don't. There's, it's not appropriate for them to be here. You've got all of your cannons, like France in World War II, pointed in one direction. And you, you have to, you have to keep going. You can't stop. You you can't go backwards. Not like this. Not not in a disastrous way. That's why, God love him, Brad Holland might be the most important person in the organization. Because he's the pro scout, and that's his department. And he has to go. He Because ha- I can say, I, like I've said, I think Dan Vladar is the guy to trade for. Some people think it's uh, Montembeau. Some people think Sign Halak. Some people think, like Frank Sarvali, it's James Reimer. We can all come up with names. We're really good at that. We look at the numbers. We go, well, maybe they'll make a trade or whatever. Uh, people are talking about uh, Mackenzie uh, Blackwood in San Jose. Lots of different names. But the job of identifying the guy, because you only bring one in to play with Stuart Skinner. The job of identifying the guy, well, it's pretty damn hard, and your ass is grass if it doesn't work out. I will say that Calvin Pickard has a 919 save percentage at 5-on-5. That's interesting. I'm not saying that he's going to be the starter, but as long as he's shooting 919 at 5-on-5, and look... The penalty kill is just not good. There's nothing we can say about the penalty kill that hasn't been said before. So there's a lot of work to do. And everybody who's an expert has always told me the PK isn't about individual personnel. It's about the the structure. Well, structure took a powder in Edmonton this year. And it all goes back to these these. It all goes back to the Vegas series. They lost two periods, the second period of game five and the second period of game six, and the whole town lost their bleep, including apparently the coaching staff. And nobody trusted anything. Well, you got to get over here and do this. Well, that's it. Definitely that's it. You do that, you win. Meanwhile, nobody looked at Vegas's three pairings and said, God, they seem pretty deep everywhere. I think that's what they do well, is they have three different pairings. And if they get an injury, they cut next man up. The orders aren't built that way because of the cap. I get it. I understand it. But you've wasted months and months and months not playing Philip Broberg. And you still, I mean, you're, they're burying him now. He makes one mistake and he sits on the bench. This is not the way you build a team. You play the kids. You play Holloway. He got hurt. That's fine. You play Broberg. You play Lavoie. You're telling me Raphael Lavoie isn't better than some of the guys who were forwards playing on the ice last night? The owners have, have they, they're, 
it's it's almost like they're like, okay, we're good now. Let's do it the way we've always done it. It's like these the the innovation worked. Let's get in there and and put it over the top. I'm not saying I would do anything different than Daryl Cates. I'm a fan of hockey. I pro- I would have Mark Pouliot as the third line center. But hockey ops has to be independent. And last year, it's my belief that Ken Holland, by not being active when they were losing ground, and they had a lot of injuries up front, by not being active, it began, it started a cascade. Daryl Cates said, okay, I got one more year. I'm going to go out and get, and Jeff Jackson landed in their lap, or he arrived quickly. And then Jackson is making moves that he, and they may well be correct, but we don't know they're correct. What we do know is that everybody's overcoached, everybody's overthinking, and everybody, as always happens when you overthink, everybody is absolutely frozen in their tracks for fear of doing the wrong thing. And I'm going to reread you the quote because it's such a good one. Chris Knobloch, I see a lot of guys working hard. They do care. They're so worried about making mistakes, and ultimately it's paralyzing us. You, you don't need to know anything else anything else about this team. You don't need to argue goaltending or defense or any of those things because all of them are more capable than they're showing right now. They're paralyzed. They're overcoached. They have too many things rolling around their brain. We've all been there. Every damn one of us have been there. Chris Knobloch has to figure it out. And it will not be easy. And he's under a lot of pressure because everybody loved the last guy who was there. This is not fun. On the way, we're going to change subject. We're going to talk about the Seattle Seahawks with Jen Mueller from Root Sports Northwest. We're going to talk about the quarterback situation, the injury situation, and what on earth are the Seahawks going to do about that 49ers defense? This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. We're hanging out until 2 o'clock today. We're great company while the football's on. Do we have a score in the game? Have the Lions miraculously scored a touchdown to make it 13? Uh, the Lions did march down the field. It is 23-14. And okay. then Romeo Dobbs, a big drop on third and four. Lions have the ball back. Well, maybe it'll be a, a second-half comeback. Later on today, the Seahawks play. The 49ers, Jen Mueller, joins us from Root Sports Northwest to talk about it. I love, you did the best teaser I've seen in forever. I want to get it right here. <laughs> the reason everyone in Seattle needs to buy a pumpkin loaf and make sure there's none available for George Kittle. I couldn't not ask you about this because it's such a great teaser. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I do like to leave people hanging and wanting more. Here's the deal. A couple of years ago, George Kittle was in a little bit of a slump along with the Niners. They come to Seattle. His dad buys him a pumpkin loaf before the game. He eats it and then goes off for 180 yards in the game. That has become part of his game day routine. It was so popular that he has actually gotten some of his other teammates to do it, including Fred Warner. So I need to make sure that there's none available when folks go to the Starbucks or their local coffee shop. So I know that it's a heavy ask on a Thanksgiving day where everybody's already got their eating plan. 
But I'm really hoping that Seahawks fans come through. So he he needs to get the dry banana bread, if there is any, or the lemon. That's exactly uh, right. Or a lemon loaf. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh Okay. Non-seasonal. I think think that's a a the start of a good game plan, for sure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Geno Smith apparently going to start. My question is, how much of an upgrade, and I know we haven't seen Drew Locke a lot, but how much of an upgrade, like, is he? And if he is hurt, do they check down during the game, in your opinion? How much of an upgrade is Drew Locke or how much of an upgrade is he? <laughs> how much of an upgrade? I'm, Assuming they're starting Smith, they think he's the guy. Yeah. So, so how much of an upgrade is he injured on Drew Locke? Well, I mean, look, he gets more of the reps with the first team. And I think what fans miss is how many times the coaches actually see these guys, right? Like, you're not just evaluating them on potential, these guys get videotaped in every walkthrough and every practice. They know exactly what they have on this roster, right? Like they're, they're making evaluations week by week, practice by practice. Gino is the better quarterback and he gets more reps with the first team. Now, Drew Locke did get more of those reps this week, just in case. But Pete Carroll was pretty confident yesterday when we talked to him that Gino's going to be able to play. If something comes up, sure. They don't mind putting Drew in. It's happened twice this week, or excuse me, this season. I think, I'm just going to suspect this right now, once Gino gets going, I think he's going to be okay to stay in the game. Because it's more of like a swelling movement issue and a pain issue than like an injury. Okay. There's no injury necessary, right? It's not like a ligament or a tendon or something. It's just a pain management with some swelling and where he got hit. I think once he gets going, he will be just fine today. And in fairness to Smith, even though I don't think anybody thought it was going to be like the sexiest signing and addition and any of those things, he's actually covered the bet, right? Like he's actually been an efficient yeah. quarterback for them. He has been an efficient quarterback. Now, you could look at the entire team and the offense in particular and say it's inconsistencies that have really caused problems. You know, against the Rams, they have had their four longest drives of the season. Two last week and two in week one. They drove the entire length of the field. They possessed the ball. They had a number of plays. And what made the difference in those games is that two of those times they scored touchdowns and two of those times they scored field goals. They're not scoring in the red zone, not touchdowns anyway, at the rate that they should be. And there were untimely penalties that caused problems on third down and forced them into third and long situations. Gino is more than capable of of executing the offense, and we have seen him lead game-winning drives. The inconsistencies have popped up in maddening ways during very close games this year. The 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 situation with Kenneth Walker, he's out, but Charbonnet from UCLA is in. Uh, how much confidence does the team and the fan base have? And his numbers are pretty good. Charbonnet looks like he's okay. Yeah, he's been great. And he's actually been getting more carries as the season goes on. He is a very different style of runner than Ken Walker. And his likely backup today is a different style than Charbonnet. So Zach Charbonnet has absolute power, and he looks for guys to run over. He is fast, but he is super physical um, to the point where a couple of weeks ago, he probably should have got it out of bounds and instead hit a defender. Uh, again, the clock kept running. That's beside the point because the Seahawks ended up winning that game. Um, 
What you're probably going to see is DJ Dallas, who has been a third down back for most of his career and a great returner this season. He'll get some more carries, and likely you're going to get a first look at Kenny McIntosh, the running back out of Georgia, who is fast. He is speedy. He is twitchy, and he is excellent at catching the ball out of the backfield. So I would expect a few touches to go to him, which would be a nice changeup, quite honestly, and something that the uh, that the Niners haven't seen. So it, it'll be a diverse running back group for sure. Jen Mueller from Root Sports Northwest joining us. So uh, I was looking at the injury report earlier, and I know that uh, Lockett was full practice with a hamstring, a toe problem for Metcalf. They're both good to go. Um, I lock it is, I think, based on the way that Pete talked about DK, he is good to go as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it seems that way. I think there was a little bit of a question going into the week, considering that Lockett's been dealing with that hamstring yeah. uh, for the better part of the year. Would he be able to make the turn on a short week? And it certainly seems like he will be able to. 49ers defense is strong and it's gotten stronger, uh, courtesy Washington. Uh, what, what, how do you, how do you game plan against that? I know there's got to be quick, you know, quick plays, quick hits, that sort of thing. Uh, but, but that is a lot of pressure and that could be ball game along the line. Yeah. You got to get the running game going for as much as Pete Carroll preaches that you've got to, you know, start with the run game. Seattle hasn't been able to do that very much. And part of that is they are falling behind the chains. I mean, they, they are just not getting enough yards on first and second down. Against this defense, you have got to get positive yards on first and second down. You have to take care of the football. And I know that you've got deep threats downfield, but with the pressure that they're going to bring, you can't rely on those deep hits. You're going to have to look middle of the field. I would expect Jackson Smith and Jigba to have a big game on this one, right? To, to just take those those five, six yards, maybe turn them into 12, you know, get some yards after catch. But you've got to stay on schedule uh, on against this 49ers defense and not make it more difficult than it already will be. On the other side of the line, what, what's the game plan against Purdy? I mean, I, like, I, 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 we're not talking Brady here, but he wins, and, and you know, he's got weapons. Yeah, and again, if you look at the Seahawks' defense last week, I know that it was a terrible loss in L.A. It was actually a pretty good game statistically for the defense. Now, I understand Matthew Stafford found his groove in the second half, but you look at third-down conversions that they allowed, he was to the year. You look at yards allowed, it really wasn't that many. Here's what killed them. Penalties, untimely penalties. It's been the same thing on offense. Today, you cannot shoot yourself in the foot. You cannot give them that first down via penalty, which is what we've seen far too many times. It is about playing fundamental on both sides of the ball. Tackling has to be there, which for some reason has been a challenge for this team in different weeks of the season. What I do like is that with Leonard Williams being in there now for another week, this pass rush unit is more cohesive because it takes time to learn how to rush next to a new guy. Um, I, they they are more cohesive, and Devin Witherspoon makes a huge difference in the secondary. Seattle, across the board, is better suited to defend this 49ers offense than they were last year in the playoffs. Jen Miller, our guest from Root Sports Northwest. Final question for you. It's a lame one, and I, we started so well with the, the pumpkin loaf, and i got to ask this because it's like if they win, they're 7-4, and four, Niners are 7-4. and four. That would be a hell of a first two-thirds of a season for this team. Yeah, 
I mean, I think six wins is is great. I think what really taints kind of the feeling is that you were so close in a couple other games and just couldn't pull it out. I mean, I think that that's kind of where it is. But, yeah, and this is the showdown that everybody has been waiting. It's Thursday night. It's prime time. It's at home. It's the team that has owned the division and that is considered a benchmark. This is a great rivalry game, and it is a tough stretch of games for the Seahawks in the next four weeks. So this is a big one tonight. Not that Pete's going to say it's bigger than any other game on the schedule, (laughs) but I think everybody understands what's at stake and the opportunity that's here for the Seahawks. I enjoyed this very much. Thank you. Absolutely. Tell everybody to go buy some pumpkin loaf. I will. I promise. I will. Just get the word out to the Seattle area. Yeah. For all the power that you have in the Seattle area. (laughs) Okay. It's huge. All right. (laughs) Thanks, Jen. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Jen. Jen Mueller from uh, Root Sports Northwest. Um, I do like their pumpkin loaf. I also like their lemon loaf. And uh, and I I don't remember having their banana loaf, but I'm sure it's good, too. It's, It's nice and moist. That's the key. You never know, you know. It's it's the uh, placebo effect, right? You you know about that, right, Connor? Of course, yeah. yes, yes. Where you think you're gay and you you believe because your brain is very powerful. You know, it can overcome a lot of things. You know. The one thing I know about George Kittle, though, if he wants it, yeah, gonna he's going to go get it. What are you going to What are you going to do? Gonna he's stop a him? hell of a football player. Yeah, he is. Um, I you know what I like about him, Al? He's a tight end that obviously is good in the passing game. But he might like to block more, and you don't yeah. see that from those pass catcher tight ends. No, he's well, he's a he's a monster. You know, he's he's not the most famous tight end of the league anymore because of Taylor Swift. But <laughs> you know, I, I I'm in one of those moments as a fan of the Eagles where I'm just they beat Kansas City, so I would have preferred they do it in the Super Bowl. But it's a nice high for a fan, and then they've got Buffalo this weekend, and the Bills are exactly the kind of team I think you don't want to play because the Eagles are nine and one. They're two games up on Cowboys. Cowboys probably going to win uh, this the, the, their game today, but you're still like, man, it doesn't even matter because there's there'd be six games left, and you'd have one game up, and you probably can slide through and win the division anyway. So Buffalo, I think, would be a team that has cuz they've got to win the, the 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 bills have have just been so weird this year they're 6 and 5 if they win then that puts them in a really good spot so what your chargers are playing the ravens on a scale of 1 to 10 what are their chances of winning Three, probably. I mean, the Ravens, we'll see. Lamar Jackson took a shot. He he limped a little bit last week, so he's without Mark Andrews as well, which benefits the Chargers, but the Chargers kind of stink defensively. So I I think if you're playing fantasy football and you have the opportunity to have, you know, a Zay Flowers or an Odell Beckham Jr., if he's healthy, you're probably going to be happy with that one. But I don't love the Chargers' chances. And just what you said about the, the Buffalo Bills, Al, I mean, just because of the the players they have on that team, you know, you think they're pretty good. They beat up on the Jets last week, but we've seen those losses, uh, the primetime losses, you know, to the Broncos and the Bengals. Uh, they lost to the Patriots. They're they they're I don't know perplexing. I'm yeah. flummoxed. They yes. beat the Dolphins with ease. Like it's it's hard to say what team you're going to get when you play the Buffalo Bills. I was driving down the road this weekend. I was listening to our station, Sports 1440, and the. They go, uh, the Chargers have scored. They're up now. And, uh, there's like, I don't know what time left. And I'm like, okay, I can, I can smile at Connor and punch him in the arm and he'll be happy. And then I, it must have taken like 11 seconds for them to give up a, a touchdown. And you cannot have that. You can't. And yet they do it all the time. The, the Chargers are, 
I mean, I, I, I I'm not telling you anything you don't you don't you don't know, but I watched the Chargers all struggle to move the ball downfield, and they, like they'll do it. But it, it's Justin Herbert making it a ridiculous throw or no. running for a first down. And then I see opposing teams just like a hot knife through butter, no. just torch the Chargers defense when they need a stop. It's it's tough. And they've got game, you know, game makers on that defense. It's just that, that I think your defensive coach is a bit of a, a, you know, overwhelmed. He's trying to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, not working. <laughs> okay, uh, it's 1254. We've got a lot of the, the text line is going nuts. LT put a fork in the Oilers. Oh, I'm not reading that about <laughs> the word moist. The moist. <laughs> I'm, not re- I'm not reading that, Matt. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about the, the game to come. And I want to go back to the NFL a little bit uh, with Connor because it's an interesting day in the National Football League. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's time for an update.